going to continue to talk about God, the Holy Spirit, as part of the Trinity. And just a couple things I want to preface today's message with. Number one, and I, and I don't know if this is because I've done, I did four funerals this week, and and uh, I I sort of felt like I wanted to give a disclaimer as I got up and explain where I came from. So I don't know if that's why I feel this need to, to say what I'm going to say, but you know, number one, I just want you to know that when I'm when I'm looking at any part of Scripture, but I believe that number one, God's word is true. Now that seems pretty basic. You know, that's pretty basic, but it's not. I mean, when you get out there, folks, there's a whole lot of people that don't believe God's word is true, and so that is a big deal. And you know, from where I'm coming from, I believe God's word is true. So that when I look at God's word, I believe what it says. I believe it's true. Okay, and 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 you know the Bible says that let God be true and every man a liar. You know when when you get around situations where people are doing things that are ungodly, you know, and and they think it's a good thing, and it's not necessarily always always bad, but it's like what are they thinking, you know? But it's not based on God's word. And there's a lot of things, a lot of things that happen at funerals that are just kind of, um, I don't know, get, it, it stretches my imagination more and more. It just stretches my imagination more and more as you get to funerals. And uh, um, I'll tell you what, but it is great doing a funeral for a saint. <laughs> I just, that's, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Okay, but I, number one, I believe God's word is true. So everything I'm going to say is based upon the fact that if it says it, I believe it's true. Number two, I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? So, that's important because then what God says in his word, I believe, is also true today. So that if his word is true, then it's true today. Because it was true yesterday, today, and it will be true tomorrow. Okay? And that's important because sometimes we can read the Bible and think, well, that was for certain people. That was for special people. It was different back then. I've heard all those, all those comments. Well, it was different back then. Folks, people are the same. Our human nature is the same. We do different things. Society, you know, we got different, you know, uh, modern things we deal with. But human nature does not change. Okay? So, you know, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. And I also believe that we are, the, we are his disciples on the earth now. Okay? So when he talked to his disciples back then, he gave them instructions. Those instructions are good for us because I believe we are his disciples on earth now. Okay? So I say all that to preface what I'm going to talk about so that you don't sit and think, well, wow, that's really amazing. I don't know how those people did that. I believe what happened in the Old Te- or in the New Testament to the early disciples is the same thing that God would have for us. Okay? So last week we talked about Jesus telling his disciples in Acts 1 that they need to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And he says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so today we're going to start in Acts 2, verse 1. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, In other words, they were in this room waiting, praying, seeking God, waiting for him to come. 
It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, the disciples. Now, it wasn't just 12, 11. It wasn't just 11. There was other people there, okay? And so suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so Jesus says, wait in this room, wait until my Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so they're sitting there waiting. I don't think they knew what he, I mean, all they knew is what he said, that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon him. All of a sudden, they're sitting there, I assume praying, or just, maybe they were just visiting, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. But, you know, they were sitting there waiting. And all of a sudden, there's a mighty rushing wind, a sound like it. It says there's a sound like it. It didn't say it was a rushing, but it's like, well, that sounds like a wind. And then it says there was tongues of fire rested on each one of them. Now, I personally, now this is my personal feeling, I feel like there had to be some visible signs for them to make sure they didn't miss it. You know, that, that Jesus said it's going to come upon you, and there were these visible signs to say, this is it. You know, I think it just helped them. I think it was a help. You know, we need that once in a while. Do you ever, do you ever feel like you need, you know, so what's why you need something? Do you, you need to see something. It, we walk by faith and not by sight, but, you know, it's good to see something once in a while. And I believe that, that you know, they had these things happen, and there were visible signs so they would go, Oh, that's what he was talking about. And then it says that they all begin to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit filled them. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So then, then as the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began to speak different languages. And then we go on to find out that people listen and said, wow, I hear them in my language. So there was this whole thing coming on as the Holy Spirit came upon these disciples came upon them. Let me say this. You know, the disciples up to this point really struggled a lot. I mean, if you look at Scripture, they struggled. I mean, Peter hadn't been too long ago. He just denied Jesus. I mean, they did a lot of things that, that weren't the best, and they had a lot of questions. But I want to tell you something. If you look at Scripture, from this point on, I believe they're different men. They're different. They're different because Jesus knew that they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he called them to do. And he told them, you wait until you get this. Don't you guys go out without this, okay? Because he knew it's what they needed. It's what they needed to carry out what they were asked to do. Remember, to be witnesses, to be witnesses. Witnesses in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Told 11 men, you're going to be my witnesses. And they did. But he says, don't do it on your own. Don't do it on your own. But he says, I'm going to give you power. And he did. Now, we're going to see what happened after that. Okay? Um, one of the first things that's recorded is in Acts 3, verse 6 and 8. Peter and John are going up to the temple. Um, they see a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. He had been born crippled. And people would carry this man and daily set him at the gate. They would, somebody would pick him up and sit him at the gate and, and he would ask for money. So he would beg because he couldn't walk. You know? 
every day from his mother's womb. So for a long time, this man had been picked up, carried to the gate, set him down. He would sit there, ask for money, and then he'd probably come and get him and take him back home every day. And so, so Peter and John were going to the temple, and it says that they fixed their eyes on him, and Peter says, look at us. And so he gave them their attention, and then Peter said these words in verse 6. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, because the man was asking for money. The man's, that's what he knew to do, was ask for money. That's how he got along in life. He asked for money. And Peter says, you know, silver and gold, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. But he says, but what I do have, I give to you. Now, this is somebody who, prior to this, probably wouldn't have said this. But because he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, now Peter says, you know, I don't have any money, but I tell you what, I've got something to give you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, I mean, that's pretty amazing in and of itself. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. But I think Peter did something that's pretty phenomenal next. You know, it's one thing to tell somebody, rise up and walk, and then sit and watch them. You know, oh, have a nice day, and then just go, well, be healed. Oh. Peter, with faith, took his hand. Took his hand. Now, that's different. I can tell you rise and walk, but if I say, here, let me help you get up, I'm expecting something. I know something's going to happen. And the Bible says that Peter stretched out his hand, and he said, rise and walk, and he took him by the hand and lifted him up, And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can that happen. Only. You can't can't do that. You can't do that. You can't, you know, you can't do that to somebody. But it's that power that Jesus says, you're going to have power to be my witnesses. Now, you might say, well, now, how is that being a witness? Well, I'm going to tell you, it turned a city upside down. Isn't that amazing? A man lame from birth is healed, and everybody gets mad. Isn't that interesting? I want to tell you something. That is not unusual. That is not unusual. Because all of a sudden, people are confronted by the power of God and the reality of him working and doing something. You know, it's okay to say it, but if nothing happens, you're not as much of a threat. But when people start to change, it's a threat. You can say all you want, but until something starts to happen, you won't be a threat. But I want to tell you, when things start to happen, it's a threat. And it stirred things up. I mean, they got... You know, eventually they were thrown in jail. They were thrown out of jail. All kinds of things began to happen. And then the disciples, you know, as we went on through Acts, they decided that they needed help. Ministry was growing. They weren't able to take care of the widows and and people needed help. And so they said, you know, we need to get some more people to help. And so they they, uh, 
brought on some more deacons. And uh, then in Acts 7, verse 51, you know, again, there's threats. People, they're being threatened. They're being threatened. And I, I don't know how to say it enough, but don't be surprised if you are threatened. Don't be surprised if you get questioned. Don't be surprised if you upset the apple cart. Don't be surprised if the minute you step out and take a step to try to do something you think God wants you to do, that you don't meet resistance. Probably if you don't meet resistance, it might tell you more than if you do. So don't be surprised by resistance. And don't, don't be fearful. You know, don't be afraid if people, people go, well, why are you doing that? Or people are questioning you or, or you know, whatever, whatever the situation might be. Don't, don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised. Because the disciples were questioned by that. And I believe then in Acts um, 7.51, Stephen, Stephen is, is the one that's getting uh, martyred here. They're going to stone him. And I want you to see the power to suffer and the power to die. I don't know if you ever think about it, but you know, it takes power to suffer and power to die. A martyr's death. You know, it, it's, it's different than just a death. I think a martyr's death is different because it takes the power of the Holy Spirit with you through that time. And I want you to see what happened to Stephen. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. And, you know, no wonder they were upset with him. He says, uh, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? You killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom now you have become part betrayers and murderers. You've received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed at him with their teeth. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, now see, he's full of the Holy Spirit, okay? What did he do? He gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they cried out with a loud voice, stomped their, stopped their ears and ran, him, ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Named Saul. But interesting here. You know, he was filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to die. He, he says, heavens were open. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's something we should dwell on. But I just want you to know, I'm convinced that if you die a martyr's death, it's different. It's different. It's different. Because I believe God's right there, and I believe he's there with us anyway, but I believe there's something about a martyr's death that I believe he gives us the power to do it. You know, I don't think, you, you know, you don't have the power to do it sitting here. I mean, you're, we're not going through it. I mean, we're, you know, and so, so don't worry about it or fret about it. But I believe when the time would come, I believe that power would be there. 
And I believe the, the early disciples had the power to suffer and die. The power to go through whatever it was they were going to go through. And then we find the disciples now as they begin to move out of Jerusalem and they begin to minister to the world. You know, it opened up some questions. And in Acts 8.14, it says, The apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, now remember Samaria was not a nice place. Samaria was the downcast. It was the, it was the scum of the earth to the people in Jerusalem. And of course, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Um, God always seems to want to go to those places. I don't know if that's, he wants to go everywhere, but I know my experience is that God seems to like those places for some reason. I don't know if he likes them, but maybe they're more open to it because they have nowhere to go but up. I'm not sure what all that is. But anyway, they heard that Samaria received the word of God. So they said, we better send Peter and John to them. And so when they went down, they prayed with them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So when they got there, they heard that these people had received the word of God. They got there and they, they found out that the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd been water baptized, okay? They'd been baptized. But the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen upon them yet. And so what we find is, the Bible says, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we find that Peter and John went down. They found these people who had been baptized. They hadn't received the Holy Spirit. And so then they laid hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit can come after baptism. Okay, we're going to look at this. But in this case, they were baptized in water. Then they received the Holy Spirit and they received it by the laying on of hands. Okay? That is one way that you can receive the Holy Spirit. You can lay hands on people. The Holy Spirit will come upon them. That's what happened in this case. And then we're going to go to Acts 10.44. Acts 10.44. In Acts 10.44, it says, While Peter was still speaking to these, this group of people, he says the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Okay, so now Peter now is talking to these people. He's preaching. He's sharing with them. He's, he's sharing God's word with them. And now the Holy Spirit just falls on them. Just boom. I always thought that would be kind of neat. You know, I always thought that would be kind of neat. You know, to just to have that happen. I thought that would be kind of a, an easy I don't know, maybe easy, but I don't know if easy is the right word, but I just thought that'd be a very unique and interesting situation. You know, just to have the Holy Spirit just fall on people. Because it then says that the Holy Spirit, he fell upon them, and he says those of the circumcision, in other words, those who were the Jewish believers from Jerusalem who believed, they were astonished. Oh my goodness, look what just happened. The the people from Jerusalem, they were astonished because these were Gentiles. These these people were not the accepted ones. These were these were kind of the outsiders. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles only. It says the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. What I think probably happened, and this is just me, but probably God sovereignly did it 
because sometimes God has to sovereignly do things because we won't. And I think he just sovereignly poured himself out upon these Gentiles so that the, the Jewish people could go, look, they just got the Holy Spirit like we did. It, it was a sign to them. How did they know it? Because it says they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Well, that, how did they know it? Well, they heard them speaking in tongues. You know, that's 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 happens sometimes when they give the Holy Spirit for some people say it always does I say this I believe it's God's intent for us to speak in other tongues it doesn't always happen I can't explain that because let me say this we receive by faith receive by faith not by sight okay now I'm not negating I'm not saying well I'm just telling you we receive it by faith. So if nothing happens, we still receive it by faith. Okay? It's by faith. It's by faith. And we receive it. But we find that in the in this New Testament, many times in the at Pentecost and different times throughout Scripture, when the Holy Spirit fell upon these people, they did speak in other tongues. Okay? And then Peter says, well... Can anybody forbid water that we should not that they should not be baptized? Because I don't know, they just got the Holy Spirit without being baptized, so I guess we ought to baptize them. Don't I just love it when when the Holy Spirit messes with the church and us. I just you know, isn't that something? Do you know how many rules people have about this stuff, folks? Do you know how many rules are in the church about when you do this, when you do that, and how God's supposed to do this, and this is when God does this, and this is when God does that, and this is how we do it, and everybody do it like this. You know, every church has rules and rules and rules. And God comes along and goes, well, I don't bite by your rules. And the Holy Spirit, you know, and Peter says, well, wow. I, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I guess we ought to baptize them. And, you know, I just think it is so good. And we have to be so careful, 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 careful. Sometimes we make rules and we just box out God's activity because we say this is how he's got to do it. Turn to John, the third chapter. John, the third chapter, the eighth verse. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born again. And as he's talking about being born of the Spirit, in John 3, 8, he says, The wind blows where it wills, where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Everyone, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. You can't, you can't box it up. You can't make it do this you can't make it do that you can't say you're in control of the spirit the holy spirit blows and goes where he wills where he wills and sometimes sometimes we got to get past our own thinking because i want him to blow where i think he ought to blow and i want him to blow the way i think he ought to blow and i want him to do it the way i think he ought to do it and this is how he did it in my life so this is how he's going to do it in your life folks he's going to do it different in every person and in people he's going to blow where he wills 
I personally think it's more important for us to try to keep up and be where he's at. That, that we, need to, we need to sometimes just be sensitive where God's doing something. You know, you may have people you work with, you work with, and be sensitive to somebody that God's working in their heart. He's drawing them. You can tell because they'll ask questions. They'll, have, they'll wonder. They'll be struggling with something. They'll be open to you sharing with them. And a lot of times, that's where you need to focus because that's where God's working and you can kind of be there when his spirit's blowing because you never know always where it's at. And it's sometimes in the most unobvious places. I mean, the surprises are unbelievable and that's why you can't always figure it out. And Barry, I, I mean, I'm a figure-outer, okay? I'm always trying to figure everything out, okay? Like, well, that didn't seem so good. You know, I, I, if I get in a situation where, you know, I'm preaching at a funeral and there's... I feel like there's hardly any Christians there, if any. I can't detect any. And I'm like, oh, that was such a hard thing. I'm, I'm grumbling about it, you know. And Mary says, well, you know, sometimes you've got to plow. You know, sometimes it's not always easy, and sometimes it always doesn't, you know. You can't always tell what's going on. I want to know. Okay, I want to I know. But you can't always tell. You, you don't know. You don't know. And the Holy Spirit works where and however he wants to. And so it's, it's always different. It's always different. Oh, how comfortable it is to have patterns that are always the same. How comfortable that things are always the same. Don't you like it when your life is just so ordered and everything just happens at the right, you know, and everything's real systematic so I can figure everything out so I know exactly what's happening? I mean, that's what I like. You know, it makes me feel very comfortable. And then I realize that God's not that interested in my comfort. You know, he's not all that interested in my comfort. That he's at work. He's at work. He's working always in people's lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he's blowing where he wills. And I just need to have to be willing to allow him to use me and allow him to use you wherever he wants. Because we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And you know, he wants to use you and me. I mean, just look around. What's his choices? I mean, he's not going to... There are things he will do sovereignly, okay? But mostly he's going to use you and me. It's you and me. And, and we have to figure out if we're going to allow him to do that. Right where you're at, he, I, you know, well, I don't know. He might take you beyond where you're at. And don't anybody panic on I me. Mean, well, I'm not, you know. I don't know where all he's going to end up sending our young people or where they might go, you know. Or I guess an older person could go too, you know. Like when you retire, you might go somewhere instead of Florida. I don't know why everybody goes to Florida. Doesn't God call anybody to go to Alaska? I think he does, but, you know, you know, I mean, you know, why is it we all, well, I'm just, you know, nothing wrong with going to Florida if you want to go, but, but I'm just saying, you know, I think God wants to use people. Here's what I notice. Generally speaking, generally speaking, God's using older people more and more all the time. 
I don't know if it's because of where we're at right now or, or what it is, but one thing, we're living longer. So you, when, you, when you get this thing called retirement, you've got, you got a pretty good spot here where you can be used because, you know, you're still usable. And God didn't say retire, you know, so you're still usable. Number two, generally speaking, generally speaking, we're at a point in our history where that age group is much more committed. Now, that's generally speaking. I, I shared this with some people. I, you know, I went down to the Methodist church and they were doing the apple. They were making apple dumplings and you know, that's a big deal for them. I mean, they're, they're raising money. And, and I went down there at 8 o'clock in the morning. I had to go into the church. I, I mean, to set up. I had a key. I wasn't breaking in. <laughs> but I went down, and uh, they were already there at 8 o'clock in the morning. There was about 40 people down there making apple dumplings. 8 o'clock in the morning. They all had gray hair. I think the youngest one, I don't know, the youngest one had to be, they were past retirement age. And I looked at him and I said, wow, you would never get young people to do this. Now, maybe you could, but I don't know. I would be very shocked if you could get 16-year-olds to get up and be there at 8 o'clock in the morning making apple dumplings. What I just noticed, generally speaking, is that Older people have a tremendous commitment. Younger people are busy, 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 busier than we've ever been with a lot of the things. Okay? So, my point being, God will fill you and use you at any age. Any age. It's never too late. Never too late. Never too early. But he wants to use us. Mark, the 16th chapter. Mark, the 16th chapter, the 15th verse. Remember I said that we're all disciples? I believe we are his disciples today, so any word he had to his disciples back then, he would speak that word to us, okay? And he said to his disciples, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now, let me say this right up front. And I read that, and everybody goes, oh, that's that part about picking up snakes. I don't know if, I don't know if everybody went there. When we were down in Kentucky, we were down in Appalachia, we were real close to churches where they pick up deadly snakes. You know, the pastor keeps them under his bed, they tell me. I don't think that's right. <laughs> Especially for the pastor to have under his bed. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think God intended us to be tempting him or he didn't intend us to be playing with things. These are not playthings. These are signs that will follow. You see that follow? 
These are signs that will follow. Follow what? They'll follow us if we go be witnesses. I think the church sometimes gets it wrong that we think these signs are for us to play with during church so we all look spiritual. I think that's wrong. These signs are to follow us as we go. As we go. Here's what I find. If you go, you'll be surprised what will happen. But as we, we go in the power of the Holy Spirit, so we go and God then acts. Now what I want him to do is I want God to act and then I'll go. Isn't that, isn't that how, isn't that much, you know, I want God to, you, God, you do, then I'll go. No, he says, you go and these will follow. Okay. So we got to take a step. People, I say, well, I'd like to see God do something. I want to tell you something. If you want to see God move, you got to go. Talk to somebody, share with somebody, pray with somebody. It takes action. God is not going to do anything until you go. And then he'll be there. He'll be there. Because he said he, he would go and help us. Fill us with his spirit so that we can do, so we can be witnesses. So if we go, then his spirit works in people's lives. Changes things. Changes hearts. Changes lives. I believe heals people, touches people. Things happen. Things happen. Because that's what he wants to do. Because he wants us to reach the world around us. I believe it's the church, one of the churches in Wayne said, um, put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. You know, pray for laborers. The world is lost around us. I just don't know how to, the world is lost. It's lost. People are lost. They're struggling. They just have no direction. They're hurting. It's just now. They don't all want to hear. But if we go where we have opportunity, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, will enable us to do what he wants us to do. He'll give us the power. And, and it's for us. It's for us. So I just pray. I pray. You know, if, if you've never received the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can ask. You can lay hands on you. Um, you can get it walking out the door. I don't care. I really have no preference. I have no preference. But I'll tell you what, you need it. Because he didn't ask us to go on our own strength. He said he'd give us the power to do it. So I just pray that you just, you know, be aware of that. Be open to that. Say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with, give me the power. Give me the power to do what I need to do. Help me to be able to witness for you. Help me to share wherever I get opportunity. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the fact that when you send us, Lord, you don't send us on our own, but you give us the power to do what you ask us to do. Because, Lord, it's your power that's going to change lives, change situations, change people's hearts. Lord, we just trust you. Lord, I just pray that if anyone hasn't received your power in their life, Lord, you might encourage them to ask, encourage them to come up and let the prayer team pray for them after the service. Maybe just 
help them to read your word and to become more aware of the power that you have available to them. But Lord, we just pray that you'd help us to go, to go in the power of your spirit. Lord, the harvest is ready. Lord, help us to be willing to go into that harvest field and to share your word wherever we get a chance. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we just pray that you just help us to look to you and trust you for everything. Thank you for being with us. Lord, dismiss us now with your blessing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.